day to you, friends. To be fair, life can feel like a mess with too little time. But on this podcast, we think through the challenges to make thoughtful everyday decisions. My name is Amy Kay, and this is To Be Fair. Thank you so much for listening today. This is episode number 15, and I am sorry that it's been such a long stretch of months since I've shared previously. Here's the thing that's changed for me. I get to serve a church again. It is so great. It's been about 10 years since I started following my then husband's career and I served a church and I really feel called to it. So it is such a gift to get to serve again. And hey, an assembly of these good folks have to listen to me every single week, share what I think about things. I get to um, think and try to put together my thoughts that are helpful to their faith development every single week. But that has also then contributed to me being um, kind of sluggish about getting myself prepared to record to be fair. Surprising to me to realize is that podcasting is the thing that I've been missing the most from the past academic year. And I've had a lot of changes and a lot of things have have gone. So it it really um, struck me that it was podcasting that I came back to that I felt like uh, I lamented not doing it. So here I am again. I hope that there is something helpful for you today on To Be Fair. It is certainly helpful for me to get to think about things and then offer a bit. At the time of recording this episode, it's April of 2020, and we have been physically distancing ourselves for fear of the spread of the coronavirus um, for over a month, and we have some time ahead of us. And here's the thing, friends, I get to be with my boys. I have two boys. I get to be with them 50% of the time. Otherwise, I'm not getting within six feet of anyone. I'm alone more than I've been alone in my entire life. And along with that, I am a huge toucher, or at least I was, I should say. This physical distancing thing has absolutely rocked my world so much so that I have been dreaming about touching people. Some of the dreams about touching are just like normal daily interaction types of things. And then others are because I'm greatly missing being able to be with the man that I that I now get to date. It is so, so bizarre to wake up and feel scared that I've been touching people. And then I have to sort of talk myself down that it was just a dream. I didn't touch anybody. (laughs) I haven't endangered anyone, nor has anyone given me germs. I mean, gracious. There have been articles written about strange dreams stemming from coronavirus anxiety in major publications just last week in like National Geographic and Time. Um, But I've never so far came across anyone else who was dreaming about touching I have found a heck of a lot about touching though, and here's how my quest about this was launched. The church I get to serve is called Elam Lutheran Church, and it's in Marquette, Kansas. It's just eight miles from the sweet town of Lindsborg that I get to live in. I'm just half time there, so I can still run my fair trade store when we are able to be open and also be very available to my boys. Anyway, the church is an ELCA Lutheran church, and they have this great resource called Sundays in Seasons. So I'm reading along in my little book, and I get to the bullet for last week, this uh, idea that they were sharing for ministers. And I get I should 
probably give the context is from um, like the Doubting Thomas text when Jesus had came to visit the other disciples after his resurrection, says the story, and then Jesus appeared to, again to the disciples and Thomas was then too and he hadn't um, believed that Jesus was Jesus, who he was and then Jesus said, come and touch me. That's the kicker, like come here, Thomas, and touch my side, touch my wounds. Okay, so then here's what this resource said for ministers. It said, Jesus invites Thomas to experience the resurrection by touching his hands and side. Brain researcher Helena Backland Wassling discusses the science behind the importance of touch in our everyday life in her TEDx presentation. She lifts up the healing power of touch and its role in forming connections, offering comfort, and creating emotional bonds. I tell you, my friends, my eyeballs stopped dead in their tracks. I reread that paragraph a couple times and then I just stopped reading and I went to that TEDx thing and started listening and learning up. And there is um, a huge body of research about touch and it was so cool to learn. So here's just like the main things. Wassling has studied human to human touch specifically. And as she says it, she spends her time like eavesdropping on the nerves that go from our skin to our brains. She and her colleagues wanted to find out more about this particular type of touch because it has been shown that touch reduces loneliness. And loneliness has been shown to be a serious health hazard. It's as associated with mortality as being severely obese or addicted to alcohol or nicotine. I think that is so crazy. Being lonely is as bad for our health as being an alcoholic, a smoker, or being obese. Jeez. Wassling and her people have shown that human touch is uniquely positive because our brains light up with good when we feel it. There are three things that our brains like with human to human touch. We like light touches. We like them to move somewhat slowly and we like them to be around 90 ish degrees in temperature. And that temperature is about the temperature of our skin at our extremities. So our brains are wired to like human touch. At the end of Wassling's speeches, she often says things like we should get out, get closer to people, and simply touch more. I love that. I mean, you know, hey, I'm with you, Helena. I love to touch. When I go to visit sweet people in the rest home, I give them hugs and like cuddle up and give them little forehead kisses. When there are babies in my store and parents um, feel comfortable, sometimes they offer for me to hold their little ones and oh my gosh, it makes my day. I adore getting to make the sign of the cross on kids' foreheads in worship and giving people their bread at communion. In fact, I used to not only place the bread in their hands, this is how they do it at Elam, but I end up touching their hand with the fingers that were just hanging around without a job. <laughs> um, I, I've, I noticed myself doing it and, and kind of observed myself. Uh, I know that's weird, but I... Sometimes I guess I am. I was absorbing myself doing this. And it was kind of like a, here's your bread and I'm expressing my care for you with my pinky at the same time. 
You know, like it was like some people I felt like I wanted to offer more care and just that little touch did it. Or that's, I mean, that's just what I was doing. So dang it, I wish I could get out and get closer to people and simply touch more. But we can't do that right now, right? And I'm a little depressed that I'm sure we won't be doing things for a long while, even when we start moving more freely again. You know, touching is kind of now out. And we might be feeling more lonely because of it. And loneliness is as bad for us as being obese, an alcoholic, or a smoker. Yeah. Insert cussing emoji right there. So what can we do? I've read on. If we're staying at home with any family members, we should certainly give them hugs or whatever is appropriate in our relationship. And maybe we're doing this intuitively. My boys and I have been playing a lot of four square, except there's only three of us, so it's really three square. <laughs> and I am firmly the worst player of the three of us. And I usually toggle between the uh, loser square and the middle square. And my younger son has taken to hugging me as we pass one another. And we do this funny little like flip of the hands thing to each other as we go by one another. There's always some sort of a passing by touching that we're doing. And he's far less a toucher than I am. So I'm absolutely thrilled by this new development because it really came um, from him, from the boys to me. And I wonder if they, you know, intuitively know that that's a good idea. Like their, their little brains and my little brain, they both, they all light up when we touch and good feelings come from it. So positive reinforcement to that. And then more hugging the next time I hit the ball poorly and dance past him to the loser box. Perhaps another intuitive move is adopting a pet. My boys have had a renewed interest in this avenue for feeling better about things, but I'm sticking to Foursquare, I am. However, a few friends have adopted puppies during this time of physical distancing and their social media posts are beyond adorable. My boys have been bringing me their devices with cute pictures of the new puppies and show me how happy the kids are with their new puppy. They are smart boys. <laughs> Many tactics have been taken in their quest to persuade me. They would have better luck going along the lines of elder homes in Japan that have helped their residents with, um, with the lack, uh, well, with their physical distancing with little Pero. Pero is a fluffy robot seal that responds to the residents like a companion. He has been introduced at facilities to stave off cravings for human touch. That's an incredible quote to me. Stave off cravings for human touch. Maybe some of the residents were dreaming about touching too. Apparently it's been helpful, little Pero. I'm, um, I'm kind of surprised that I guess it's a he, that this that the seal is a seal though, you know? Other studies have shown that it's helpful for us to be able to hug something, even if it's a big soft monkey. So I'm kind of surprised, I guess I don't know what the seal looks like. I did search around because there's many different articles that referenced Little Pero <laughs> and I never could find a picture of it. Maybe it's a big soft seal that they can hug, I don't know. So another option though, is that we have a big stuffed animal or something that we can hug. And you know, I actually have an abundance of them in our home. And if you live close, you can sure have one for a while. 
Just let it sit for three days in case there's coronavirus on the thing and then hug away. You just let me know if you need me to bring you a big chick or bear or sloth. Jennifer Wright from MSN News wrote a couple weeks ago in an article called What Happens When We Can't Touch Each Other? That we could also try to recreate the sensation of touch by wrapping ourselves up in blankets or taking long baths. I don't think those two things could be bad options, even if they don't help us with our lack of touch. A couple weeks ago, ABC News reported that Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading expert on infectious disease and apparently a candidate for this year's sexiest man, (laughs) said um, in a perfect world, Americans would stop shaking hands. You know, I, I get that, Dr. Fauci, I really do. I know we shouldn't touch even when we start to get together again, and I'll try to lock my hands firmly in my pockets, especially after worship when I'm so compelled to hug everyone or to shake hands with the people who look like they do not want me to hug them. I mean, I'll totally try, but I know myself and I'm a toucher. I don't know that I can keep myself from reaching out to someone in certain situations. Listen to this last story. Amazing church members printed out big pictures of tons of friends in the church and taped each picture to the pew where that person would normally sit in worship. They did not tell me they were doing this thing. And I walked in and there was a sweet note on the tripod I used to hold my little iPhone when I record myself for my attempt at online worship. And I remember voicing an oh when I saw the note of encouragement. I mean, I'm just in there by myself, right? So any any little utterance I make, you know, I, I hear very well. And then I turned around to put my bag down and saw everyone in their pews. <laughs> I am not kidding that I shrieked and then just sobbed for lots of minutes. Absolutely sobbed. I tried to do a Facebook Live and I was sobbing so much, I had to do a second one um, to thank the church members on the church's uh, Facebook page. And in the second one, even though I had waited minutes, you know, I had composed myself, lots of Kleenexes, like I was good to go. No, and then I looked at everyone again and just started like sniffling around again. I walked around the sanctuary four times looking at everyone and was just so touched. And I am telling you, If any of those people would have been in the sanctuary with me in that moment, I would have been hugging them like crazy. And then I would have felt guilty about it. So it's a good thing that I was alone for a solid half an hour to pull myself together. I'm confident I'm not alone in worrying about my reaction to seeing friends after we can have a little more um, freedom of movement. I fear I will run up to every good friend I see and violate all of the physical distancing rules. One of my awesome neighbors said the other day that she can't wait until all of this is over because she's going to kiss everyone on the lips and give them big bear hugs. (laughs) I laughed wholeheartedly because I totally understand her feeling. We are just touchers, we people. Some of us are more touchers than others, but we're all touchers. And eventually maybe we'll develop different habits when we greet people like Dr. Fauci suggests. And we'll continue to wash our hands a lot and not touch our faces or try not to touch our faces. For the time being though, perhaps we can give ourselves a little grace if we are off a bit, if we're moving like a sloth with some projects or if we're having strange dreams. 
Let's just do what we can for ourselves and breathe. Because for those of us who are biggest concerns are that we can't touch one another and we're lonely, you know, we're in a far better spot than our brothers and sisters who are in the medical profession, who are researchers, medical researchers, who are um, in government trying to figure out the best way to be helpful and to keep everyone safe. As we think about those who are suffering or who have lost ones to COVID-19, you know, that really puts things in perspective. That doesn't diminish that we might be lonely and are dreaming about touches. It just is the whole of how everything is at this point. And we take all of that in and breathe and keep going. Thanks so much for listening today, friends. It's fun to be back. I hope there was something helpful here for you. Come around again sometime and let's think together some more. I'm Amy Kay, and this is To Be Fair. 